running 100 miles seems impossible, and maybe even kind of crazy. And it is, but we believe in big crazy dreams. That's why we ran 100 miles. It was such a life-changing experience for us, we decided to devote this podcast to preparing and inspiring you to run your first ultra race. Are you ready to feel the highest highs and the lowest lows? Are you ready to do what you once thought was impossible? Are you ready for your trail to 100? Thank you for joining us here on Trail to 100. I'm Jacob Bateman. Joined along with me is my co-host and beautiful and lovely wife, Melody. And joined along with us today is Dr. John Vigil. Now, John is an ultra runner who has completed multiple 100-mile races, but he's also a chiropractor, and so he does bring a unique medical perspective, a chiropractic perspective, which I have never heard of um, concerning ultra running. And so, On today's episodes, we get into it with John about his ultra running journey, how he started 10 years ago, ran a couple hundred miles, and then he transitioned into bodybuilding, and now he is back after some years in bodybuilding into the ultra running world. And so we talk about that journey, why he started, why he stopped, what bodybuilding was like, how ultra running helped him with bodybuilding, how bodybuilding is now helping him with his ultra running, and how chiropractic care can benefit you as an ultra runner. So we're just going to dive right into it. Here you go. Enjoy the episode. Dr. John Vigil. I actually wanted like for our podcast to ask you, you know, we wanted to bring you on and talk about your story, what you said, how you got into it, ran a couple hundreds. I know you said, you said you DNF'd your third hundred, right? I did, yeah. And then you kind of took a break? I did. Actually, I was kind of just overrunning. I'd been running for three years straight and, you know, trying, I tried five other times at the hundred then DNF'd at different uh, distances just for various reasons, upset stomach, heat, you know, all the fun yeah. stuff we, we learn out there. But I, I took a break and I actually got into men's physique competition. And that happened by a client of mine came in, she was competing and she was a trainer and she's like, Hey, you ever thought about men's physique competition? And I'm like, like bodybuilding. And she's like, well, it's kind of, but you wear like board shorts and get to have like nice upper body, you know, and uh-huh. legs, but she's like, you got a good frame for it. You should, you should try it. I'm like, I don't know about yeah. competing on a stage, but yeah, I tried it out and I did that for about two and a half years. And I put on about 20 pounds of muscle. And, and then after I got done with that, I just, I didn't really want to do that anymore because dieting is so hard. Like that's, that's the whole purpose, you know, 80% of bodybuilders and yeah. men and women that are out there. It's the nutrition that you have to really be on point with. Yeah. Sounds hard. Yeah. So I was like, no, I'm done with that. So I stopped <laughs> and then I just kind of just worked out and just, you know, ran a little bit here and there, nothing major, 5k, 10k workout, lift weights, do whatever hike. Yeah. Cool. Well, that that's kind of what we're interested in. Kind of like why, what got you into it? Why did you stop? Then maybe some of the things you learned from bodybuilding, like the, what was hard about that versus what was hard about the hundreds, the comparison between the two. And then like, what brought you back? Cause you're going yeah. for your hundred this weekend, right? Yeah. this coming week, seven days. It's um, Florida <laughs> Keys 100. Good. We got you yeah. at a good time. Wait, it's the Florida Keys 100. Yeah, the Keys 100. So it's really, wow. so it's, it's, it's just out there on that highway then that goes out. Yeah, there. you actually start at Key Largo at the 100 mile mark and on the state highway, and you run backwards on the mile marker. So you run down to mile marker zero in Key West. What what got me back into it was last year I helped crew for the Badwater 135 race, which is out in Death Valley, California, put on by Chris Kosman and Adventure Corps. And so that was my uh, sixth time crewing, but I was crewing for a guy that I knew from when I used to run back in early forties. So this is what's kind of crazy. When I was first ultra running, I was in my 40, 41, 42. And then when I went into bodybuilding and kind of played that game, I was like 44 or 45, and then just took time off 46, 47, 48 coming up on 50, I kind of started thinking about running again, because I was 50, you know, you could do 
just get back into it. But I had signed up for a bunch of races. I'll come back to the Badwater crew and thing, and that's how it ties in. So I signed up for all these races the year I turned 50. And of course, we're going through COVID, right? So some of them are hit and miss, but I'm going to do a 50K. I'm going to do a 50 miler. I'm going to turn 50. And then I started training again. Now, remember, I was bodybuilding. So I put on about 20 pounds of muscle. I'm about 10 years older. And so training was just much, much harder. Recovery was harder. And I was trying to figure out, well, is it just because I'm older? Is my nutrition just different? Obviously, I'm trying to figure out different nutrition from a 10-year time span, right? Do I need different things? Do I need more protein? Do I need more carbs? Like all of that aspect. So I really got discouraged. And I said, forget all this. I'm just going to turn 50 and enjoy being 50. <laughs> so I, I canceled all my races and, you know, donated all my money to the lovely race directors. And, you know, I didn't ask for anything back. That was on me, you know? So, but then the, the guy, Ray Sanchez was running his 13th Badwater, consecutive Badwater. So he was looking for a crew member. So I was like, Hey, I'll help you out. So I went out to help him and I don't know how much you guys know about that race, but it's a team help. You have to bring everybody out and you have to have a crew. And my job was basically crew captain, uh, crew chief, raised really fast. So I was not able to run with him or, you know, he most of the time didn't really power hike too much. But anyways, he was really quick. So I got re-inspired and I was like, man, here I am. You know, this is X amount of years later because I had crewed the other five times like early on when I was into the ultra running world. And so taking that break, being re-inspired, I'm like, I could, I could get back into this, but I got to do it different. I, Cause I used to do all my own stuff and, you know, just talk to other ultra runners. Hey, what are you running? What kind of plan are you using? So for me now at 50, almost 51, my birthday was in February. I'm like, Hey, I got to hire a coach. So I looked for somebody that had been running. He was a patient of mine. I had treated him for probably the last seven or eight years on or on and off when he had issues. And so I reached out and I said, Hey, I want to come back and do these races. And, um, I'm really interested in re-energizing my running resume, if you will, you know, because all this stuff goes down as a resume for us and potentially putting in for the Badwater race, you know, in the future, but I need help. So I need somebody to basically devise my training and, you know, you guys do the thinking. And so, and I quickly was, you know, there to tell him just because I'd done this 10 years ago, I'm not going to be the guy that's like, well, I used to do this and I used to do that. Right. <laughs> Because why well, have a coach then, right? If you're going to, you know, not gonna listen to the coach, then forget about it. You might as well just do it yourself. So, so whatever you say, coach, I do, you know, I'll give you the feedback and you adjust and, and there we go. So anyways, got re-inspired and that's how led up to these races doing the Badwater Cape Fear 50 miler. That was in March leading up to Florida Keys, which is next week. And so this has probably been 10 months in the planning that we've been in the training block. That's awesome. It, you know, volunteering for a race, it will get you, it gets you every time you see those, <laughs> run, does, yeah. those runners coming through and you're like, man, I, I yeah. gotta do it. I'm curious, who's your coach? Are you still working with this coach? Yes. It's Ron Hammett and he's um, from Sundog running. Okay. And he, he used to live here and now he just moved out to Florida as well. So he's, he's out there okay. the last few months, but Awesome. So how about, do you want to go back to when you first, first got into ultra running? You said that you were in your forties when you first started, right? I did. Like what, yeah. What, what sparked that first? Yeah. So interest. I had this in at 38, I had done an Ironman and that was super exciting. So I signed up for another one the following year. So I did two Ironmans like back to back. That was when I was 39. And then at 40, I moved from Texas here to Nevada and I was looking for just training groups, but I had been involved with the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society team in training. And so I looked them up and they're always needing volunteers just to help out, you know, with water stops. And so once I started volunteering and meeting some of the coaches that were uh, training the participants at that time, they were all training for a 50 miler and they're like, Hey, you should do this 50 miler with us. And I was like, what? 50 miles. You guys are nuts <laughs> guys and girls. There was a, it was a whole group. It was like Heck 16 yeah. of them. And I was like, no. And they were like, well, 
come on, man. Like you did an Ironman. I was, you know, I was like, yeah, but you swim and then you get to bike, you get to sit down for a long time. And then you have to only run a marathon, you know? So anyways, they heckled me. And so I was like, all right. So I finally joined in, but I started running with them and I Way had to no give idea. Into peer pressure. Exactly. It's total <laughs> peer pressure. I had no idea. Like, you know, we're running. It's, the mentality is kind of the same as far as like your nutrition needs go. But I didn't quite understand that. So I ate when they kind of ate and I drank when they kind of drank. And then I quickly figured out, like, I think I need more calories than they do because I started bonking. And oh. we, yeah, we started figuring that out and completed the first uh, 50 miler, which was for me, it was the Sausalito. It was in Sausalito, California. And I loved it. Like I finished in 15 hours, just under 15 hours. And I was kind of my Ironman time. And uh -huh. just being out there all day, like that, that was my jam right there. So I was like, yes, this is great. Who wants to do another one? And only like one hand went up out of the group. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody else was like bucket list, like they're like they were done. So basically I found a new set of ultra running friends, you know, started looking around in your area and you can always find somebody that's doing something longer or, you know, harder or mountain yeah, yep. or wherever. <laughs> and so I just plugged into that group. And then that's what led me to, Hey, do you want to help crew for Badwater? This one person's friend dropped out. And so that was my first time crewing for Molly Sheridan back in that day. And she was a big ultra runner that had started kind of in her late forties, uh, early fifties. And she was doing some, you know, as at that time, crazy you know 100 mile runs 135 and just hanging around with with her we ended up going to india and she did what's called la ultra the high and that was 138 miles over two eighteen thousand foot mountain peaks wow whoa and yeah and you have 60 hours and so she tried it the year uh before but kind of didn't bring anybody as a crew she made it 100 she dropped so then the next year she wanted to go back she brought myself her daughter so we helped crew her pace her and nice. again, just, just staying involved in that community. That's, and then at that time it's like, Hey, you should do this 100 or you should do this, you know, hundred K. And that's kind of just how I moved up the ladder, if you will. Most of the time, as from what I hear from all of us, we all do like, you know, the 50 K and then we move up to the 50 miler and then we move up to the hundred K and then, Hey, you might as well just go for the hundred. And that was the natural progression. That's <laughs> and, how it goes, you know, right? Yeah, that's how it goes. And I put in for my first uh, 100 and it was a lottery. It was the Hurt 100 out in Hawaii. Ooh, yeah, nice. exactly. <laughs> and I didn't think I was going to get picked and I got picked. And so I was wow. like, here, here we go. Like I'd never run 100 before. As you know, it's in January, Vegas, like, like where you guys are at Utah, it's cold. Like we don't really got good climate training for that. And everybody just told me just, you know, practice running and build your miles up. And so I went and we started running and unfortunately I slipped and fell on a rock at mile five and I banged my knee really hard. A lady that was behind me was a paramedic from Canada. She said, Hey, can I check out your knee? I really think you broke your kneecap, but you don't realize it. And I was like, oh, I'm like, you know, I'm a chiropractor for this time, you know? And I'm like, oh, I think it's good. But she's like, I think the adrenaline. Like you don't realize it. So just let me check it out. So I'm like, cool. So I let her check it out. And she was like, no, you didn't, you didn't break it. It's good. But let's see how long it takes to swell up now. That's going to be the thing. Oh, right. So shoot. anyways, I, I dropped it mile 27. I did a full loop and then a little bit more. And my foot, my knee, I'm sorry. It was just like a softball size and I couldn't oh, even wow. really bend my leg. And so I dropped and, you know, just hung out in Hawaii the rest of the week and enjoyed my time. But then <laughs> I was like, I got to recover and I got to do one right away because my volume was, you know, good for training. So we had a local one. So I did that one. It's called Level Canyon 100 here in Vegas. And it was on a back and forth 11 mile road. So crewing was pretty easy. Pacing was easy. And yeah, I got it done. It was cold. It was much different. Like at night, it was like 18 degrees because it's a little bit up on the mountain. And so much different than a Hawaii trying to do a hundred, but and then that's just, again, how it progressed. I'm like, well, I can do another one. I tried another one. I, I remember I dropped for whatever reason, a couple of times was just because of the heat. wasn't prepared for it, had upset stomach. This is all the time where everybody is trying to figure out like your nutrition, what works, what doesn't, yeah. and then how it, can, how it can go south. You know, we all have a, a plan, just like I got an A plan for my Florida race, but you got to have a B, C, D, E, and F plan just in case. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, way to go 20 more miles after hurting your knee on the yeah. hundred. Yeah. <laughs> that you know, you may have dropped, but that that still is impressive to to have kept pushing it. So so I'm curious why so going back kind of to the beginning of this story what got you into Ironmans like what what motivated you to get into the endurance sports in the first place yeah the I I did the I want to run a marathon uh, bucket list Mm, back in that was my first first challenge of endurance and so again I was working with team and training so I signed up became a participant and trained with them and ran the Houston marathon and checked bucket list, finished it. I was done, said I'd never run a, a, a marathon again, because that was the craziest thing to run that long for six hours. Isn't that <laughs> like, hilarious? Right? Yeah. And then I was like, well, I'm going to do triathlons because you only got to run a 10K and you just got to swim a little bit. It wasn't a very good swimmer, but learned how to got better at that. And then it's, it's the same thing in, in triathlon world, the natural progression, you do a few sprints, now you move up to the Olympic. Now you're running, you know, a 10K and then you, sorry, a half. You move up to the half Ironman distance. Oh yeah, it's only 13 miles. I'm good. I'm going to stop there. And then everybody's <laughs> like, come on, man, you should do an Ironman. And I was like, all right. So I hired sense. a, yeah, I hired a coach. That was the same thing that I didn't really know how to get to that next level. So found a coach and she was like, you're going to have to uh, run another marathon in training. And I was like, no, nah, I'll just run it at the end of the race. And she's like, no, nah, it's not kind of how it works. <laughs> you got you to prepare. So I ran an LA marathon. That was really my second marathon back in the day and went and did Coeur d'Alene Ironman and finished it, loved it. And then I signed up for a Cozumel Ironman, which was the inaugural year in Cozumel, Mexico and loved that too. And that that's what kind of sparked the endurance thing. So then when I met people that were running 50 miles, I was like, what? how is that even conceivable, mm. but kind of just, you know, peer pressured, as you said earlier, got roped in. And then the same thing, once I did it, I loved it. I was like, man, this is just, there's a connection that we all get when we're out there. Everybody has their own connecting metaphor, if you will, or, and, and that's why, you, that's why you keep going back. For sure. So, so basically the natural progression, it started with doing a marathon on your for to check it off your bucket list and then it just has kind of been this natural progression of let's do more let's see what else i can do let's do (laughs) something a little bit harder a little bit harder correct so you talk about like how much you loved it but then what i want to dive into a little more is you have also said that at one point you were experienced pretty bad burnout from it all correct it sounded like you were doing awesome like sure you had some you're on fire yeah you had some dns but you were learning from it you know and you did check off a couple hundred mile races which is amazing like just to do 100 you know it's just it's just amazing but so where did the burnout come and why do you think that crept in yeah that and i look back at that and that came just from i think the lack of balance so basically my whole life was just all about running. Like, you know, there was a little bit of, you know, weight training and cross training and stuff in there, but that's just, it was a hundred percent. That was it. And so I was trying to run like all over the place. I, I do believe from the chiropractic aspect. Uh, and at that time I wasn't getting a lot of physical therapy, if you will, like I was, wasn't getting adjusted a whole lot. And so I think body just got tired and, and I would see a lot of, and we see them all the time, like people that just run and run and run they, they, their bodies, you can tell their body's just tired. Like they love doing it, but they just keep forcing because the mind is so powerful. They can just get out there and do it. But the body starts breaking down. I think after a while and everybody has a little bit of an injury or a nuisance or, you know, like, Oh, my leg's been bothering me for 20 years. And I keep running, you know, it's like, well, did you ever think about like why it started bothering you, you know, or like, how could you have fixed it? You know? And I get, sometimes we just have physical disabilities that, you know, you have broken bones or knee replacements and things like that. But for me, that's kind of where it came down to. I was just too consumed with it. I was tired traveling, you know, I was like, I got, I just got to do something else. Like, and, and for me, I've always been a weightlifter. I've lifted weights since high school. So to cross into the whole endurance world for that period of time was kind of like exciting and new. But then it kind of just became like a burnout, like you said. And so I wanted to try something else. So when I got proposed to do the bodybuilding kind of stuff and men's physique, I'm like, oh, 
I kind of like that. And a new challenge because one, uh, I mean, I'm in my twenty-ish uh, percent body fat. They're like, "Yeah, you got to get down to like six, seven percent body fat." I'm like, "What?" Ooh. I'm like, <laughs> "There's, I, there's no way like I've ever." So that was a huge challenge. Like, I got to see if I can do that. Like, and and you can, anybody can, with the nutritional aspect and the coaching, and of course, putting in the time in the gym and cardio and stuff like that. So it, it was super fun again to do that aspect, but. It was also tiring, the nutrition aspect. That's the hardest part, as we talked about earlier. It's just, it's anybody can, can get up there on stage and do it, but how long can you maintain that? And it's, there's also a little bit, they don't talk a whole lot about it in bodybuilding world, but you get a little bit of body dysmorphic when you start coming out of what I call mm -hmm. stage life because you start getting quote unquote fat, but you're really not. You're still like 10, 12% body fat. You're just normal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, you're back to your normal, you know, body fat percentage, even 15%, and you still look fabulous. But in your mind, you're like, man, I look fat. Like, and it doesn't get talked about a lot, which is too bad because I experienced it. It took me about a month to snap out of that depression of being fat and just eating junk and still trying to work out. But yet you're like, hey, but I, I don't have a nutrition factor handcuffs on me now, so I can just eat whatever I want. But now you're starting to go back to what you said, normal. And after like a month, I snapped out of it and I was like, okay, just let's just go back to being normal and let's start training again. And so the second show, I didn't really experience that as much because I kind of had prepared for it more mentally. Mm, that makes sense. That makes a yeah. lot of sense. So what I'm curious about is kind of the, the compare and contrast. I feel like they're, they're completely different, but just for fun, the compare and contrast between bodybuilding and ultra running, because like you mentioned, they're both very, they both take a lot of mental toughness, a lot of, a lot of mental training, a lot of discipline. So yeah. I, do you feel like training for your ultras kind of transferred over to bodybuilding and vice versa? Like what are, what are the compare and contrast and how have they transferred over? Yeah, for me, it was actually kind of opposite of the bodybuilding. Cause again, I'd always lifted since I was in high school and when you're, you know, whether you had a workout partner or not pushing that one more rep and like putting more weight on it, trying to get like a new, you know, uh, weight record, you know, that for you, you know, whatever it is, when I, when I went into ultra running, you, you hit the wall, you know, at some point during these long timed events that we're out there doing. And so it's like, oh man, I'm like, I just want to stop. But then it would kind of be for me again, the bodybuilding, like you got another gear, dude. Like, come on, push just a little harder. So you take a deep breath, you know, put your hands on your hips, take a deep breath and you push and you keep going forward, you know? So I always would get to um, that aspect, especially like I noticed it like climbing, like some of these mountains and some of these races and you're just going up and up and you're just exhausted and gassed. And you're like, man, I just don't think I can do this anymore. Like, they're like, well, first of all, you're not going backwards. So we're not going to go down the mountain, but like, <laughs> Don't try and overexert yourself, settle into your pace. You got this one more rep. It's kind of like push just a little harder. And then you get to the top of the mountain and you're like, whoo, I got it. And then now you're down the other side and you're running because that's always good. Every time you're going up, there's got to be a down, right? Exactly. <laughs> At some point. So that crossover certainly helped come back to it. And, and for me, that's always been the, the go-to is that, that little bit of extra push. And when I'm under the weights and I'm lifting, I, I love that feeling of just being able to push just a little bit more to make, you know, yourself better, stronger, yeah. faster, all that. Yeah. So you feel like that that's transferred over. So in, in the weightlifting, you feel like just that, just push a little bit more, make the weight a little bit heavier, one more rep versus yeah. when you're running, you know, one more mile, just push a little bit further, just a little bit further. I like it. That's awesome. Yeah. So you said you gained, so you gained the 20 pounds of muscle and you kind of talked about body dysmorphia. Was that kind of hard to gain that weight and to have your body change like that from running body to weightlifting body? Oh yeah. That's a great, great um, question comment there, but uh, no, for me, cause at that time I was kind of like, I'm done with running kind of, you know, mm -hmm. in the mental aspect, you're like, I want to try something new and sizing up your competition if you will when you start looking at like if i'm going to do this bodybuilding stuff 
Mm. What, what do I got to look like? Oh, I got to put on more pounds. I'm kind of a, a little guy. I'm six one, but I'm like 205 pounds with some body fat. So I'm like, man, these guys are on stage at six one, you know, 230, 220 solid. Yeah. Right. So I'm like, yeah, man, I got to put on some weight. So that was an easy transition. Plus again, um, challenge the goal. Like we got to eat a lot more. Yay. Woohoo. Get to eat a whole bunch um, <laughs> and, and figuring that out. And that's what I was going to kind of bring back to was like, that was one thing from competing in men's physique and really being focused on nutrition that I've taken to now running and really understanding where my calories, where my macros need to be. I can be much more detailed and specific, you know, like and on when I get closer mm -hmm. to the races, like this week coming in. <clears throat> and then since last week, I actually, we, and we could talk about that later, but um, I strained my hamstring. So I haven't been running. So I cut down on my calories because I was trucking in all these calories the last couple of weeks because I had big volume and mm -hmm. now there's no volume can't sit around and eat or you can, but you're going to, you're going to gain an extra pound or two in an extra that. week. Yeah. yeah. So that's kind of where knowing the nutrition stuff from bodybuilding days helped out now. Yeah. Oh, and that's probably the best transfer over, especially you said in your beginning runs, nutrition was the thing that that was the hardest for you. You said you're kind yeah. of eating what everyone else is eating. And yeah. so, but now it sounds like you have that dialed in. That's fantastic. But yeah, much better. And also to the products have gotten way better in 10 years than they were back then. I mean, we saw some of the same stuff, but I mean, we had a lot of gels, but they were more sugary. They weren't, you know, like natural, like some of the spring gels and the Huma gels and companies like that, that have come out. So much, much more improved. Oh yeah. The nutrition we have is fantastic. We also do the spring energy. That's our favorite. Yeah. It, our our first hundred mile race we sugar bombed we ate nothing but oreos and swedish fish because that's yeah. just that's all we knew and right. learned very quickly that you want to avoid that sugar as much as possible yeah so tastes anyways. good but yeah certainly bombs you yeah yeah awesome i love that so then you already kind of talked about getting back into ultra running another thing we're really curious about is your chiropractor do you personally work with a lot of ultra runners and what would your advice be to other ultra runners and how could, um, a chiropractor be beneficial to them? Yeah. As a chiropractor, I get a lot of people that certainly come to me just because they know I run here in the community and triathletes, cyclists, anybody that's kind of involved in sports, they seem to kind of gravitate toward me, but that is kind of my focus in the office. I certainly treat mom and pop and kids as well. But from an, a running aspect, I always kind of tell everybody, and this can kind of go from any sport that you're in. If you have an issue that's bothering you, like, and you noticed it today, okay, you, something's bothering you. It doesn't really matter what it is. Let's give it about 48, 72 hours, two to three days. If it's not getting better, then you need to go see somebody if you want to make sure you take care of it. So a lot of us are, are stubborn. So I get people that come in, Hey, how long has this been going on? Oh, about two, three weeks, maybe four weeks. I'm like, why did you wait so long? They're like, well, I thought it would go away. You know, I kind of did this one day. It was better the next two days. Like it came back. I'm like, so it kept coming back. It would go away and it would come back. And they're like, yeah. So again, that goes back to the advice that I give. If it goes away within 72 hours, but then it comes back the next week. Now it showed up twice. Mm -hmm. But let's say it goes away within 24 hours and it doesn't show up again for another week. But now it's come back three times. You, you got to see somebody like whether it's a chiropractor, a PT, a massage, see somebody that can help you start dialing in and figure out what that issue is because our bodies are smart and they will start compensating to avoid whatever's causing that issue. And so now you're recruiting other muscle fibers, different mechanics. You're starting to do a little, you know, hip flare or something and so now you're you're creating more problems so when you actually come in to see me i got like three or four other things i got to take care of plus the issue that started the whole thing to begin with so mm. i kind of always tell everybody i give it in that 20 again that 48 72 hours if it's not going away or getting better if it's getting better it could take maybe you just had a little you know niggle strain and it'll be better in five or six days and then you're you're off and running doing your sport and you don't ever feel it again that's good. 
That's great. I think that's a great general rule of thumb because I think a lot of people are confused about, okay, when do I go in? Okay, this has been bothering me. I don't know. Like, should I go yeah. see someone? Is it going to go away? I think if everyone just kind of followed that rule of, okay, if if you've been filling it for, you know, two, three, four days, then you should probably just go get checked. Might better be safe than sorry, right? You don't want right. to make it worse. Right. Or like it takes that. longer to recover is usually what happens. That's the, generally what I'll see. Again, somebody will come in and it's been happening for a couple of weeks. I'm like, hmm, now this is going to take six, eight visits versus two. Mm-hmm. Right? So, so if people now this, don't yeah. want to go in because they're worried about the money. Well, if you go in right now, hopefully uh, you can get it healed quicker and, and actually quicker. end up spending less money. Less money. My mom was a big believer in chiropractors. She took, I, when I would play sports, she'd always take me in, you know, like once a month or about like that. And I'd get an adjustment and I loved it. Felt great. Would you suggest if like an ultra runner can afford it, does like a monthly adjustment, like, Just like with, for maintenance, for maintenance and that? Yeah, like, absolutely. I usually recommend it. It's anywhere between three to six weeks. And why it's so broad is because one, we're all super busy. We're traveling, we have work, we have kids, we may be racing. And it's just the time frame that kind of seems to work out for, for people somewhere between everybody. Some people I got, they come in three weeks religiously and some are six and it's somewhere in between that. What happens usually after six weeks is people, one, they kind of sometimes just forget. And so now it turns into eight weeks, three months, four months, and then something happens and then they, they're back in that reminds them or after the six weeks, their, their body starts telling them like, ah, oh, something's still feeling a little tight, feeling a little off. My pelvis doesn't quite feel balanced. And what I mean by that is like, once you're kind of maintenance and you're getting adjusted, let's just say monthly, you will notice when you're not in balance. And if you're, we're talking about running, you'll be like, huh, my hip on the right side, my leg seems like it's working a little harder than the left side, or my right side's a little tighter than the left side. That's your indication of something's not in balance. hasn't created a problem. There's no pain. There's no disruption or something like that. It's just, you're starting to notice those things. That's your cue to come in and get adjusted and go see your person and, and take care of it. And then next thing you know, you're back off to three, six weeks again. I love that. So pay attention to your body and notice those little things before it turns into an injury. Yeah. I like that. And I saw that your email and like your Instagram is the stretch doc. Yes. sir. What's the story behind that? Yeah. The, I was working with a UFC guy. He's retired now, but we went to a couple of his fights. So I would travel with him. And so with his entourage of of people as trainers and as coaches and whatnot. And we're just doing the events that we have to do. And they're introducing me to other people and they're like, yeah, this is, uh, this is uh, doc. And I'm like, yeah, I'm John, you know, hard name to remember. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, yeah, he's the doc. He's the guy that stretches, uh, you know, the, the UFC guys it was Frank Muir back in the day. And so as I kind of rolled on through the weekend, they were like, oh yeah, here's the stretch doc. So they just kind of started calling me the stretch doc. So we, you know, after the fight, they're like, Hey, stretch doc, you want a beer stretch doc? We're over here. So Monday morning, I'm like, man, actually I was flying back back on the plane, like Sunday night. I was like, that's actually a good tagline. Like I'm going to do it. So Monday morning I bought like the domains, like all, you know, started changing everything and point everything to the stretch doc or, you know, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and here we are. And that's been over 10 years, like the stretch doc. And, I love and, it. and the aspect of the stretch doc came because my therapy includes fascia stretch therapy. And then I'm a chiropractor. So I was like stretching and chiropractic muscle work. So stretch mm. doc, there we go. I love it. I feel like you're yeah. the kind of guy who you get an idea and you just go for it. You don't even <laughs> think about it. You're like stretch yeah. doc. That sounds good. 100 let's miles, let's go. 50 miles, yeah. sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's awesome. So Sometimes I get to you in trouble, though. <laughs> it, it, it can. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it's a blessing She's and a curse. Same way. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we've had that conversation a lot. Yeah. Um, so this is something we're really curious about. 
stretching. What are your thoughts on stretching? Because we have been, we've heard so many different things. The first year we started ultra running, we were told that stretching was a waste of time. Just do strength training. As long as you're moving your body through all ranges of motion, you're good. But you know, as far as touching your toes and stretching after run doesn't do anything for you. And that's what a a physical therapist told us that. And so we we didn't stretch. So we didn't stretch. We were like, he was like, if you're going to do anything, you should be you know, doing strength training. He's like, that's the best thing. Don't worry about stretching. But we started stretching this year, kind of as a test. And, and a chiro- we feel, oh, go ahead. Cairo was, I went to a Cairo and he's like, you, cause I told him about my IT band tightness. And he's like, you, and he checked out my hamstrings. He's like, I guarantee you 90% of that is probably your hamstrings. He's like, those are so tight. Like you only have half the mobility you, you need to have or supposed to have. And so, and then, you know, and we had already kind of started stretching then. And I had a similar experience with the medical massage therapist who suggested stretching certain things. And I've been doing the same thing and we feel so much better. And so many athletes say that, right. Every, you always hear stretch before and after your runs. And so we're curious what your thoughts are on that. Yeah. Well, as the stretch doc, you know, obviously I'm going to promote stretching (laughs) Uh, and simply because, I mean, I get what the PT guy is saying about, you know, strength training. We certainly need that as running, but we have to be able to be mobile. And if we're too tight, such as in your Jacob, you got tight hamstrings, we limit mobility. So your mobility is decreased because of your tight hamstrings. So now you have a greater potential for injury because you're less mobile. So mm-hmm. now we roll back to stretching. The more you can stretch or foam roll, uh, use the sticks, any kind of like fascia work, stuff like that, that increases our mobility. And so whether we're, you know, dynamic stretching or the static stretching, they all have their place in their time. A lot of sometimes people don't like this old style of static stretching and holding stretches, you know, for X amount of seconds or minutes. But again, it has its place in its time. In fascia stretch therapy, it's it's an assisted form of stretching that a therapist is performing on you. Well, for, the best part is, as the client, you get to just lay on the table and be completely relaxed. That's what is, I'm talking about. Yeah, which is super great. <laughs> and, and so, again, of course, you know, I promote, like, we all got to stay mobile. The more mobile you are, the less injury you have. And that's where the complement of strength training comes in. As long as we stay strong, we have less potential for injury, but I do think there's a a balance. You got to have both. So what is your definition of stretching? Because you're not, I know that you're not actually physically lengthening the muscle, correct? Or are you? that, That is correct for the, for the most part. Yeah. So remember the, the, the muscle fibers, they have fascia in there. So I'm going to kind of roll this back into the fascia world because that's really where my, my focus and my specialty is in working with fascia. The fascia is within the muscle as well as on the outside of the muscle. So we have it just like animals have it. And so if that fascia gets bound up by overuse, hence lots of running, strength training, if you have an operation and they cut, it builds cross linkages or what they call kind of small scar tissue. Obviously, if you're getting cut upon or you have some kind of a deep injury, that builds big scar tissue. But if you don't have any injury and you're just tight, that fascia has built up small cross linkages. And that those cross linkages basically restrict the mobility and can cause pain. Not necessarily like sharp pain, potentially, but it isn't certainly just like, man, this feels like dull, achy, you know, it's kind of, it's not just a smooth feeling. So by stretching, by foam rolling, massage therapy, you can break up those small cross linkages, thereby increasing your mobility and increasing your flexibility. Now, some people going back to like, are we lengthening the muscle that you can debate that all day long on both sides, you know, you can bring in the physiology aspects and you can measure and you can increase the amount of, you know, length that the muscle is actually moving. Is it the actual muscle or is it the joint ligament capsule? That's so again, that you can go back and forth on that. We will return right back to our show after a word from our sponsor. For the ultimate in backcountry comfort, check out the high quality gear of Teton Hammock Company. 
Whether you're going for an overnight trip or a week-long adventure, the ultralight outdoor equipment from the Teton Hammock Company will keep you warm, dry, and sleeping like a baby. Their products are made of top-quality materials that outperforms all others. Check them out at tetonhammocks.com. With an S, that is tetonhammocks.com. Hang with the best, Teton Hammock Company. Now back to the episode. All right, but there's no, we don't really know exactly for sure. There's just lots of theories on that, basically. I'm sure somebody will claim that they know. 100%. 100%. Right. <laughs> I'm like, if you're gaining mobility and you feel good, whether it's coming from ligaments, tendons, muscles, joint capsules, it's all good, right? It's all natural for the body. Amen. I love that. That yeah. I'm, I'm really excited about. I feel like that was, that was a, a golden nugget. I'm really excited about what, what you taught us there. So you said that there's a time and a place for a certain kind of stretching. Right. And I, I wasn't yeah. planning on going into this, but I'm, I'm really curious. And yeah. I think, I think a lot of our listeners will be too. So when would you say is appropriate for dynamic stretches versus static stretching versus foam rolling? Like when, when do you throw yeah. all that stuff in there? A lot of times the, let's start with dynamic. A lot of runners and athletes will do dynamic stuff for warmups, right? So as they're starting to move around and do whatever their routine is for their warmups, they'll add dynamic stretching before the run, you know, whatever activity they're doing. And that's a good, in, a good place to do dynamic type of work before you get ready. If you're like me and I don't know how many listeners are out there, we just start walking real slow and then we take off running. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, yeah, we'll worry about that dynamic stretching stuff later. Right. And um, <laughs> I'm not a big um, user of dynamic stretching just because I'm not like, it's not saying that it's not good. It certainly is good. It's just not part of my routine. Could it be? Absolutely. Right. It's just one of the right. things you got, you got to make it part of your routine. Static stretching is obviously just anytime like you're going to sit down and get on the ground and do some, you know, stretching of the hamstrings, the glutes, the quads, you know, that statics holds can all be, all be used as well. Sometimes with static stretching, they'll incorporate like a, what they call a PNF, that's called a proprioceptive neural facilitation. And so you basically contract the muscle. So if we're stretching our quad, you know, in the standard flamingo stretch, you can actually hold your leg and kind of kick out. Like if you were going to kick a ball, just, it's not like a hard kick. It's just a small contraction of that muscle fibers, which contracts that fascia, which just allows those linkages to break up and provide a little bit more range of motion. So those can be incorporated with static stretching and then foam rolling. I mean, that can come in kind of anytime. I know that sometimes I'll do foam rolling before I do more static kind of stretching. And honestly, I really don't do static stretching. Whoa big one right because i don't <laughs> believe i don't believe in holding the stretch in that position so if we're doing a hamstring stretch i don't want to just bend my body forward and hold that because of a couple of reasons the nervous system kicks in for one and it kind of thinks something is uh happening to the hamstring that could cause injury so our nervous system kind of slows us down a little bit and so it'll make the muscle tight in that particular hamstring stretch. This can happen on any stretch, but then after a few seconds, the nervous system says, Oh, this person's just stretching my hamstring. I can relax. And now you get a little bit more movement. And now we're back to stretching the muscle. Oh, but wait a second. Something's a little bit tighter. I don't like that nervous system says, Oh, wait, he's just more stretching. I'll relax a little bit. So there's a little bit of that nervous system blockage that can happen in static stretching. So what I will do is what we call, um, it's in a sense, it's a stretching, but it's just with mobility. So in like a hamstring, if we're stretching the same leg, same hamstring, we create a little bit of movement and it's kind of hard to describe, I guess, through audio, but you're creating movement like in a fan fashion. So if we're trying to bend down and touch our toes, that would be a straight static stretch. But how about if I bend down and I kind of go to the middle of like between my legs, so if I was standing up and just bending down to touch a toe, that would be a static stretch, but I'm going to start in the middle and then I'm going to kind of wiggle my trunk and body down to the right of my hamstring out to the side and then come back up. So I'm kind of flexing my body, my torso, mm. as I bend down and like touch my leg. 
that's putting motion through the hamstring as well as the fascia, the hip joints, you know, whatnot. You can do this also too, if you're like laying down and you put a stretch strap on your foot and you pull the stretch strap straight in, that would be a static stretch. But now what if I'm holding the stretch strap and I let my leg drift out to the side and then kind of fan that over to the middle and then back down, making like big circles, if you will. I yeah. see that, that and, makes a lot of sense. And that's really what fascial stretch therapy is where I learned it. It's a company called stretch to win in Chandler, Arizona, Tempe, Arizona, but that's how they teach therapists to stretch people on the table. It's through a movement pattern. It's not just straight dynamic stretching. Plus it doesn't hurt. Sometimes static stretching hurts because that nervous system kicks mm -hmm. in. Yeah. Okay. So that's more along the lines of what that physical therapist was, was trying to tell us, I think. So that makes sense. That makes sense. And, and I've noticed that when we do those kinds of stretches that are, you're going through the motion versus just holding it. I always feel way better. I actually don't yeah. feel that much better when I just bend down and hold my toes for 30 seconds. Correct. I've, yeah. I've noticed that doesn't do much. So that's uh that is really awesome. So getting back to you here before we let you go on yeah. your training. So you said you hired a coach this time around yes, sir. Um, when you decided to get back in the ultra running. How has that been compared to what you were doing before? Yeah, much more um, less brain work for me. <laughs> one, <laughs> I don't have to, you know, think about how many miles I did last week versus this week. Yeah. And, you know, for, for us as the clients, we have to give that feedback to the coach and you have to update. So I have an Excel spreadsheet that's a biggest, basically a Google spreadsheet and it's shared between both of us. So anytime he writes something in it, I automatically see it vice versa. As soon as I update it, he sees it. Plus we text, you know, and, you know, I'll tell him like how the running stuff has been going, but having the coach itself has been a huge difference. Simply, like I said, accountability certainly plays in because, you know, if you're on your own, you're like, eh, I don't need this eight mile run. Like I can run eight miles in my sleep, you know, but <laughs> If it's not, if, if it's not on the calendar, you're like, hmm. you're like, well, I could just fake it and just put, you know, and fill in the calendar, but you know, you know, now yourself, you're not being honest. So, yeah. So that accountability is certainly there much more than it was in the past when I was running. Plus again, just the feedback between myself and the coach and how things are going. Do we need to increase more? How is the surge tempo kind of workouts? You know, how are you feeling in those aspects? When, when I was doing it by myself, nobody's asking you that. You're like, well, I think I did good. I think I wasn't running junk miles, you know? I, I think my heart rate was okay, you know? So definitely much more improved with having a coach. And I think at some point, you know, we, we all like to go off on our own and do our own thing, which is super great. But when you're wanting to get to a specific goal and something like that, we're always looking for that person that has maybe just can add that little bit of extra to us and push us and make us better. And that, that's why we have coaches. Coaches even have coaches. So, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I think yeah. that's great advice. I I've worked with a few coaches and I've, I feel like Jacob and I are kind of each other's coaches as well. It definitely yeah. helps to have somebody who is kind of in, in the goal with you, who you can ask questions to and, and again, the extra accountability. So I, I think that's, that's great advice. And it sounds like you've always had coaches through, I mean, your Ironmans. And, yeah. And so I, I think that's great. Another question I have yeah. is you have your race coming up in seven days. We want to know how you're feeling. Yeah, certainly nervous. hundred <laughs> percent. Is it, uh, is it worse knowing that you know the pain that's about to come rather than, rather than like the first time, you know, when you're so naive about a hundred miles, like how does it feel now that you've stepped away? It's been quite a few years and yeah. now you're about to go back into that pain go, cave. Go back into it. Well, part of that pain cave, I forgot a little bit because it's been so long. So <laughs> that's, that's kind of a plus. But certainly even like in Ironman days, like anytime we do these events, whether it's, you know, your half marathon or whether it's a hundred miler, we all should be nervous at some point because that's what, you know, gives us, you know, that little butterfly feeling that we're, Hey, we're about to do something. We're about to push our body, our minds to something that, you know, is, is not 
we haven't done or you know maybe if it's our first time as you're just saying jacob since 10 years ago so i kind of forgot a little bit about the painting i know it's there like i know the night times are very tough one thing with with vegas to florida i mean we're super dry here in vegas florida's yeah. nothing but 80 percent, 90 percent humidity so yeah um, i certainly have a challenge that's coming to that aspect but again, excited. As a matter of fact, today I got all my packing done. I busted out all my nutrition. You know, I got two suitcases I'm taking. Just a tip if anybody ever travels for races like this and you're flying, try and separate half your gear because if one suitcase gets lost, at least you have another one. <laughs> that is a great tip. <laughs> have, a, have you had that happen before? I personally have not, but I I've been in groups that, that, that has happened and they've lost like all their nutrition. And now they're running <sighs> to the nutrition store, the grocery stores or wherever to try and, you know, get everything back that they can, you know, at, at that particular event or location that they're at. So even if you can get everything in one suitcase, take two, like, you know, split them, <laughs> take, you know, put some in your carry on or whatever, but same with like my running shoes. I got one pair in one thing, one in another pair. Right. Yeah. So in case you, we hope it doesn't happen. It's a nonstop flight, but you never know things can happen. So, so that that's a quick tip there, but yeah, super excited, ready to go. Um, again, I strained that hamstring about 10 days ago, so I haven't ran at all. Oh, and, man. oh no. And this one other tip there to new people that are out there and I'm relatively new, but I'm not right. I'm going to say yeah. kind of right, a, right. somewhat of an old veteran, new, new person. Don't start anything new, like two weeks before your race. And what I mean by that is I started doing banded deadlifts. I'm like, oh, hey, let's do a little bit of strength training. So I did some banded deadlifts mm. on a Monday. I was like, felt great. Like nothing big. You know, I wasn't like, you know, trying to, you know, rep out, you know, thousands of reps, but I just did about 30 reps with a band on a deadlift bar and you know, felt great off Tuesday ran some little surges on a Wednesday, six mile run. Thursday was my last long run. I had a big 30 mile run planned. I took the day off of work, set up my house as an aid station. I was going to do these four mile loops. I did one mile, was walking, looking at my pace. I'm like, okay, took a drink of water. Let's get to the second mile. I took like 20 steps. Yank, there went my hamstring. And I was like, ah, yeah. So then of course, as all of us athlete runners will do, we keep going. So I went a couple more miles <laughs> and uh, circled back to the house and completed that four miles. And I came in and I rolled it and, you know, I grabbed the stick and I kind of stretched out a little bit, and, you know, on a hamstring, we work the opposite to make sure your quad is nice and loose, you know, so these are the opposite reciprocals of the muscles. So made sure that was all good. I went back out around the block, which is, you know, quarter mile and it was even worse to walk. So I was like, I'm done. That was it. Two, mm -hmm. two miles in, pulled my hamstring, sat on ice the rest of the day, started working on it. I have a cold laser. So I, I started lasering it, but I haven't ran in the last 10 days and it feels better. Uh, I've been foam rolling it easy, doing a little bit, of, you know, small recovery exercises, by the way, there's tons of great people on YouTube, I probably went through everybody's rehabbing a grade one sprain. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, so if anybody unfortunately has that happen, check everybody there. Again, there's a lot of good people that are doing good stuff out there. YouTube, um, <laughs> YouTube Bob and Brad, uh, PTs. They're, oh, they're, they're really great. Good. Yeah, they're good. And hilarious. <laughs> yeah, and they're, and they're funny. So with, my, with all that being said, that's part of the nervousness because my coach asked me, hey, do you want to do a couple short runs before you go out there and test it out, you know, and I'll, or do you just want to wait? And I'm like, I'm just going to wait simply for me being the, knowing the experience as the chiropractor and working with runners, the more time you can give it to heal, the better. So I was more worried about how much fitness am I losing? How much, uh, my little dog, how much fitness am I going <laughs> to lose? You know, you know, my, like all that, basically just the fitness. I was really worried about that. And he's like, relax, but hence going back to the coach, like, relax, you've done some good work. You've done some strength training, you know, you got this. It's really going to come down to mental aspect just because you haven't ran in the last 10 days. Uh, it'll be almost, you know, another five more days before I get there. So, right. But, yeah, you just got to rely on that and, and really get in the mental mindset this week for me. That's the goal. Uh, now that everything's packed, everything's ready to go, start preparing, 
as Jacob said, start preparing for that pain cave. Know yep. that it's going to be there, but find find your you know your other places to go to. I had a few of those happen at the 50 miler at Badwater Cape Fear, and was in my little pity party world, and was like, "What? Like, why are you doing this? Like, stop! Like, look at the ocean. Look at these little sandpiper birds. Like, mm-hmm. look at these people fishing out here. You know, there's a lot of stuff. Like, yeah. you, can, you know, these people are enjoying their fishing, or you know, doing. And then now you're not thinking about your little pain cave." I like that. Find distractions. That's, that's yeah. another good, good little tip. And, and I'm just going to say, you know, your coach was saying it just comes down to the mental toughness aspect of it. Right. And, yeah. and you've been doing this stuff forever. Like you, you, I'm sure you, you already feel like you have that, right. You have the mental toughness. Already, like so. <laughs> we're, we're excited for you. We will you remind me what day is it again? Is it this weekend? So yeah, it's weekend. yeah 21st. Sweet. Well, yeah. you'll have to let us know how it goes. We will yeah, be absolutely. cheering you on. We <laughs> will. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate so, it. And uh, so one last question though, before yeah. we let you go and we ask all our guests this, we want to know, let's say a friend comes to you, you, you know, they know you're an ultra runner. They come to you and they say, Hey, John, I've been inspired by what you're doing. I've signed up for my first ultra marathon. I'm going to do hundred miles one day. What advice do you have for me? What would you tell them this journey? All right. Good luck. <laughs> good luck. Good luck. Um, you know, that, that there's a, there's probably like a little top list that you could come out, but one, certainly enjoy it. it you got to be enjoying it while you're out there because we all, as we were just talking about the pain cave, you're going to go through those mental struggles at some point during the race, even the pros, you know, the fast guys and girls out there, they, they have their stories and they share where they were suffering, you know, but they still enjoyed it. Right. So you got to certainly enjoy whatever distance adventure that you're about to, to take on. And so that's one of them. If you're looking for your coach, like get your coach, trust them. You may go through a couple different coaches, just for simple fact that you want to try out different people, that's okay too. Don't think you're married to one coach because everybody coaches a little bit different and you're going to learn something from each of the coaches. So that, that's a good thing too. And then three, don't go crazy and spend all your money on all this gear and stuff that we can have. Like I'm guilty of that, right? I bought like four packs in the last year because I don't <laughs> like it. And I'm like, instead of sending it back, I'm like, well, I already ran it. I'm like, well, I'll just buy another one. I'll just buy another one. <laughs> unless you got I, money. I like that unless part. You, yeah, yeah, unless you got money just to spend. But and then uh, uh, probably the last one too is make sure you're getting like good recovery. Do your nutrition good. Like, you know, back in the day when I was in my early 40s, I didn't know as much about it. Of course, everybody tells you to eat, you know, good, eat your chicken, eat your rice, whatever. But I ate burgers and pizza because we ran 20 miles, right? Oh, I can eat this, yeah. I can eat that, right? Why it's not? Let's huge. have some beers. Yeah. But <laughs> it, just, just like anything from bodybuilding days, garbage in equals garbage out, you know? So if you're eating not so good during the week and you're trying to get to your long run, eating the night before healthy is not going to help you out. <laughs> yeah. So, you're like, oh, yeah. maybe, maybe I should eat some broccoli tonight. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. So do your nutrition and plus that'll just help speed your recovery. And that's the whole point. The faster you you can recover at any age, the, the faster you're back out training. I love that. Yeah. But that's... you got to have fun. That's a big thing. You got to have fun. I've, I've been in a lot of different races and traveled to India, of course, the Grand Canyon. But one of the things I've done loved is just being able to be out there and seeing the things that I've seen the sunrises, the sunsets, yeah. you know, people say that's crazy. Like, well, you ran from sunup to sundown. I'm like, yeah. And, and I watched that's the like sun all day long. Yeah. Like it was super fun. Like, you know, it was, it was great. So you got to enjoy it. Amen. What, what's yeah. the point if you don't enjoy it? What's the point of any of this yeah. if you're not having a good time? Right. Yeah, exactly. I think that's, that's great advice. Thank you so much for this. Absolutely. I feel like I just took, I always take notes and I just have pages yeah. and pages of notes. So I feel like that was just filled with golden nuggets and I'm, I'm super excited to share this episode. Yeah. Thank you for coming on, John. We really, yeah, absolutely. really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. And if you guys ever have any questions, anybody can contact me at the stretch doc on Instagram, uh, Facebook, it's the stretch doc. So I'm available anytime. Message me. I'm, 
I'm kind of glued to my phone a little bit because it's my work phone, it's my everything phone. But yeah, I'm certainly uh, help will help out in anything I can. And we'll put your contact in the show notes. So you said the best way is through Instagram. Do you have a website or anything like that too? Yeah, the website is uh, stretchstock.com. Make sure that you subscribe to the podcast and rate and review us either on Apple or Spotify. We would greatly appreciate it. It helps us to be able to keep producing this sort of content for you guys. Thank you for joining us. Good luck in your training. We will talk to you next time. Hey, beginner trail and ultra runners, if you're interested in private coaching or a customized workout plan, head over to Instagram at pine tree running, where I'll help you find your strength.